Hello and welcome to the Wacom Dads Podcast, the local podcast where we discuss relatable parenting topics to help all the dads and moms out there. I'm Nathan Dwyer. I'm Chris Roselli. And I'm Mark Bagley. This week, we discuss how to be better communicators with our kids and how to get them to open up to us. And on Wacom Dads Recommend, we talk about our favorite annual summer festivals and events here in Whatcom County. All right, guys, we're back again. Um, Chris, were you trying to kill us? Because I read an article that said rice cereal contains arsenic (laughs) last week. I appreciate that you were trying to share with us your delightful treat, but what's going on with the rice cereal supply? You know, it's funny. When you sent me that that article, the first thing I did is I went to Gerber's website and they have a whole FAQ on like safety and arsenic and it's natural in the environment and it is, you know, it's fine. And they have the, the biggest safety standards of any company on earth and more safety standards than the federal government, et cetera, et cetera. So apparently uh, baby cereals, especially beech nut, um, which I had no idea. That, that was the offending brand in the article. Yeah. That beech nut, which I know beech nut to be a, Chewing tobacco company, not a baby food company. I don't know if I've ever bought Beach Nut baby food. I've I've never heard of it. Yeah. Well, and you made baby food. They didn't have it in a jar when your kids were little. Yeah, we had one of those stone bowls, and we would <laughs> mash it with another like a. You just chewed it in your mouth first, and then yeah, you dropped it into theirs like a baby bird. Like a baby bird. <laughs> So crazy. I know. I mean, so apparently there's arsenic in some of these, and it's specifically the rice single grain baby cereal, which is exactly what we had. So when you sent me that article, I made myself a bowl of it because it sounded really delicious. Well, last week was Father's Day, and uh, that got me thinking, you know, I've been a dad now for almost eight years. I was thinking, what was the most surprising thing to me about becoming a father? So... I mean, a lot of it was surprising, but what was the most surprising? I think that people always tell you that kids grow up so fast, and when you don't have kids, you kind of go, eh, whatever. But time goes by at almost maybe two or three times the pace once you have kids. And maybe it's because you're busy, and maybe it's because you have more people depending on you. Um, But yeah, I mean, I almost can't remember a time where I didn't have kids, and it's only been eight years. So that was really upon reflection this Father's Day as the thing that kind of caught me off guard the most about becoming a a parent. I think the most surprising thing to Annette and myself initially was when we got in the car after Allie was born to drive away. There was no instruction book. And we looked at each other and we said, they're actually letting us take her home. (laughs) We were shocked. So after the initial surprise wore over, I think the biggest surprise for me, after being single for so long, and was how quickly I fell in love mm-hmm. with this little creature. It didn't take any time, and usually when you fall in love, it, it's a process. But when a baby is born, it's pretty instantaneous, and that surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Yeah, Amy said, uh, how can we have a second child? Like, how can I love anybody more than I love our first child? How do I have room in my heart to yet have another child come on in? And 
I think along those exact same lines, that was really the biggest surprise for me was how much you can love something so immediately, so instantaneously, and how that love continues to grow uh, as they continue to grow. It evolves and shifts and it becomes a, I don't know, more a different, more measurable, tangible kind of love in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. So. Do you guys have any vivid memories of those first week or two after you brought your first child home? My most vivid one is probably five to seven days in. She was having a, a tough time going to sleep, and I was just rocking her and rocking her. And for some reason, she uh, would fall asleep sometimes when you were walking up and down stairs. And so I remember this night that I stayed up all night. And she would sleep for 10, 15 minutes at a time. And I just walked up and down the stairs probably 100, 200 times that night. And I didn't even bat an eye at it. You know, there wasn't any, ugh, I'm so tired. Ugh, you know, she's new. And, you know, that's just one of those memories where I really take to heart what you just said, Mark. Like, oh, yeah, well, I could never imagine loving like this. And if I have to walk up and down the stairs for 12 hours to keep you going back to sleep, I'm willing to do it. Yeah, why would you not, right? Yeah, it's not even a question. We had a bassinet that Amy's dad actually had made um, that the girls both slept in. And when Lexi was a newborn baby, the bassinet, the the cradle was in our room. And I never realized how much noise newborn babies make i mean all these gurgles and grunts and and of course as a newborn as a new parent we're we, I mean, we're out of bed immediately what's wrong what's going on and everything else and eventually we learned that that was just normal but it we also learned that that became really disruptive and whenever we'd start to hear the baby wake up um we got tired of having to get up and kind of rock the cradle a little bit and so i actually made some twine uh, got some twine out of the garage and can, taped it to Amy's nightstand. And so in the middle of the night, Amy could just reach over and pull the string. <laughs> Look at you. You so, probably could have made a lot of money on something like that. <laughs> Very MacGyver of you. So I, I do remember that. I, I remember that vividly. And we thought we were going to have the baby in Lexi and Alyssa both. Well, Lexi, we thought we were going to have Lexi in our room, what, three months, you know, until we finally were like, okay, let's, let's put her in a room for, for a crib. Three weeks, we booted her. Just too much noise, too much. We we were not getting good enough sleep, and then we just thought, you know what, she'll be fine. We just had to trust that she was going to be just fine in her own room. Well, this is a good segue to a listener mailbag question we got uh, a few weeks ago from a, a listener, Bill. And his question was, he was looking for some tips or help with trying to get his baby to go to sleep without having to rock them. You know, there's that sort of time where... You want to be able to put them in the crib in a different room, but they're used to being rocked to sleep. And you guys have any thoughts or remember sort of what worked, what didn't work, what you tried? You know, some of these things are just sort of a Hail Mary. You try something different every night, and and when something sticks, you you do it. You know, for us, everyone said, just walk away and they'll fall asleep. And we lived in a condo with shared walls and we (laughs) did not want to do that to our neighbors, but everyone says do it two or three nights and eventually they'll just fall asleep on their own. Honestly, Nathan, I don't remember what we did. Um, but that's one thing that was recommended, but we never did do it. Part of it was the shared walls, but part of it was, we just felt terrible for Allie just crying and screaming and 
not knowing what was going on. Yeah. For us, uh, every one of our friends who had babies who slept through the night early on followed the model of On Becoming Baby Wise, which is a book which uh, follows a model of instead of feeding, then putting your child to sleep, and then awake, you mix that up, and it's actually uh, sleep, feed, awake, sleep, feed, awake. And so that way the baby doesn't expect to be fed in order to be soothed to go to sleep. Hmm. So that's one of the, the kind of the models behind that. Part of that also is a part of the sleep training, which is to walk away as they're crying. And we knew it was a successful model for our friends. We knew that we were going to have to do that. And it was the first time we did it, Lexi cried for about 30 minutes. And it felt like a, a week. I'm sure. Uh, Amy got on the phone talking to her friends. She called her mom. She, you know, she, we, we kept pulling the other back. I'm, I was ready to go upstairs. I'm going to go get her. No, 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 no. You got to you, – just let's – five more minutes, five yeah. more minutes. And then five minutes would pass. She would say, oh, all right, I'm going to go get her. No, no, no. That's okay. And then the next day, she cried for – 15 minutes and the next day she t- cried for 10 minutes and after that really it was quite lovely it does work it's just so hard to do yeah so for us in our family and i know for some folks there's controversy behind that model of letting your baby cry some folks just cannot imagine doing that for us we are so glad we did that with both girls mm-hmm. they slept through the night uh, they were great sleepers early on because, and I'm sure the second was a lot easier than the first. Absolutely, because, because you we, knew it worked. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I've mentioned a few times on the podcast this book that we swore by: "Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child" by Dr. Mark Weisbluth. That's really helpful. You know, some other things are just you can sort of reach that in between point where you've been rocking the child and they're used to that. You can put them in the crib and sort of just keep one hand on them and then sort of gradually start to work away. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe is like a transitional thing. And the other thing is, um, you know, put the baby down when they're tired, but not overtired. Yeah. When they get overtired, you've lost. Yep. Um, and so that the baby has to be able to teach themselves to self soothe and calm down. Certainly. Um, we had one child who was a hair twirler from an early age. That was her self-soothing mechanism. Another one, another two of them, thumb suckers. And then I had one pacifier kid. So eventually those things tended to work for, and, and again, there's pros and cons to thumb sucking and pacifiers. Uh, we won't get into those debates now, but find something that works, help your baby self-soothe themselves, and eventually they're going to figure it out. But yeah. don't feel bad if you're struggling. It's something we've all gone through. Oh, boy. Yeah, absolutely. A little bourbon on the gums works as well. <laughs> That's what my grandma told me. I thought that was, that was for teething. Or is that sleep as well as anything else? Well, it was bourbon on my gums. <laughs> That's right. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson & Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson & Cole, when you need us, we will be here. All right, for our parenting topic this week, we're going to talk about uh, some thoughts on trying to be better communicators with our kids, maybe 
opportunities to maybe have them just open up to you to have some talks, some chats. I think that's something that we often struggle with. And so uh, maybe we can just kind of reflect on like, what was it like for you growing up? Did you have a very open relationship talking to your parents about things? Uh, Was it a bit of a struggle? Yeah, my parents were, they weren't necessarily an open book by any means, but we could, we could talk to our parents, but, um, I, I feel like Amy and I are much more open. I think our kids are much more comfortable coming to us than, um, and granted, she, Lexi's only 15 still, right? So we haven't gotten into the depths of high school and really sharing some things, but Lexi shares a lot with Amy, especially, um, and, uh. I think they're more. They share more with us than perhaps I felt comfortable sharing with my parents. Yeah, my kids share way more <laughs> with me and Annette than I ever did with my parents, or vice versa. We were not a very um, communicative family. Still aren't, for whatever reasons. Um, and so I'm not really good when it comes to that kind of communication. I just tend to keep things inside because that's how I was raised. But boy, our kids have told us things where I went, wow. I don't know if I'm saying good for you or boy, you shouldn't have told me. But, <laughs> but you know, and I think a lot of it, of course, is in that. And um, like you, Chris, they tell her a whole lot more than they, than they tell me. But yeah, our kids are pretty open, which yeah. is – I think it's a really good thing. I think it's a really good thing too. Yeah, I – I had difficulty communicating with my parents. I wouldn't say it was a struggle, but a little bit like you, Mark, it just wasn't something that was worked on. It just you sort of had your way of going about it. And um, so that made me think, so, okay, so what are some ways that we can sort of make an effort to communicate with our kids? And in doing so, you know, what are some ways to really get them to open up to us a little bit? And so uh, I'm going to put a link to the Barbara Colorosso book, Kids Are Worth It. There's a chapter in there that talks a little bit about some of these things and also a couple other articles that I found. But, you know, if you guys, if you had something really not difficult, but maybe something pressing or something kind of heavy to talk to your kids about, is there like a certain thing that you would do or would you try and go on a drive or take them out to dinner or sort how do you broach those big issues and make some space for maybe important topics to discuss? I think there were, I think it was a two pronged approach for us. Number one, to make sure your kids understand and know, excuse me, and know that you want to be interested and you do want to talk to them about issues that are important to them, no matter what it is. But the second part is just as important. And when your kid does come to you and want to talk about whatever it is, no matter how important, that you make the time for them then and there. Because if you tell your kids, yep, I'm open anytime, and they come to you and you say, oh, I'm doing the dishes. Ah, got to feed the dog. Mm, I'm working out. Got to run your brother to soccer practice. That's when I think you lose them. I think it's a two-pronged approach. Yeah, and you don't know how like heavy that conversation what they're coming to, and if you miss that opportunity, you know there are some right. real issues that teenagers and young adults are dealing with these and days. To work up the gumption and the courage, then to come and talk to you about it, you've got to drop everything and just be in the moment yeah. with them. 
Yeah, and I think along the way, you've got to build a real sense of trust with your kids so that way they feel even comfortable to come to you in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that's something that Amy and I have worked really hard on uh, is to talk with them that no matter what it is that they want to talk about, uh, something that they're unsure about, something that they, you know, we've told them, if you have questions about... I mean, right now, Alyssa's 12, right? So they're they're in the heart of sex ed and everything else. We've, we've told them, if you want to know about sex, if you want to know about any of these things, come to us. We know about it. We will give you the straight facts. Mm-hmm. And we probably know it more accurately than your friends do. So, <laughs> And I'm sure you're hearing it from your friends, but if you have questions about certain things that you're hearing about at school that you want to get the facts on, come talk to us. Mm-hmm. It's adults in our culture that make that topic so taboo. And it's yeah. hard. And it, I make right. it sound like it's so easy to just casually talk to my daughters about that topic. It's not. No. But it's but what I've learned in talking with them is really how they're just kind of black and white and you know, I mean I remember when I got stuck with the talk. Amy was out of town and Lexi wanted to know the full details of where baby comes from and how uh, how it all happens, you know. How do, yeah, but how how does the fertilizer get in there, you know? And so I had to be straight blunt and say, well, here's what happens. Now her face was hilarious <laughs> when I told her how that happens. Um, but it was, it was black and white. Matter of fact, really easy, you know? And I, I, th- I think if we make it, make it less taboo and more comfortable for them to talk. Yeah. I think we'll get a guest on to really go over that. Uh, and maybe the talking to kids about drugs stuff. Cause that's heavy yeah. stuff. And I'd love to get some outside opinions to help our listeners with that. Yeah. Hey, Chris, let me, let me ask you a question. Nathan, you're not quite there yet with the age of your kids. So I'm going to direct this to Chris. Do you think it's okay to have these heavy conversations and kind of meet your kids where they're at, meaning via text or on some sort of you know, not social media, but platforms that they're about. I mean, would it be okay if your daughters asked you a heavy question on a text? Would you answer them on a text? Or do you think it all needs to be face-to-face, sitting across the table, on the couch, in the car, whatever? Yeah, I think um, I think when all of us have had texting conversations with folks, no matter what the topic is, mm-hmm. where you get – into the text and you realize, you know, I'm just going to pick up the phone and call this person. Why am I texting this? And I think that topic just requires so much information and so many questions and, and I, so many and, answers. And I'm not talking just sex. I'm talking about anything. Anything. I, I mean, it depends on what the topic is. And if it's a quick answer, you know, what do you want it? What kind of blizzard do you want at Dairy Queen? <laughs> well, sure. Send me a text. I'll tell you, you know, but if it's, you know, how, you know, where does a baby come from and how did it all start with you and mom? Well, that, yeah, that, I, I, I don't know. I, it just seems like so, you know, kids communicate so differently yeah. than, oh my gosh, I did. And you know, the two of you are younger than me, but even then, the, how you, the, the, you communicate with your parents. I'm just wondering if it's okay for parents to have tough conversations or real open communication conversations in ways that are not face-to-face. I would guess no. I mean, if Lexi texted me, can I go out tonight? I'm thinking a couple years from now when she's Mm -hmm. driving and in high school. Can I stay out later than normal tonight? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure. The text back could be no, and that's a quick. Or if there needs to be more of a discussion, then then pick up the phone. We need to talk, Mm -hmm. you know. And then, of course, deeper conversations. Yeah. Sure, face-to-face certainly helps. But but if you're talking to your kids and face-to-face is awkward for folks – 
and a conversation via phone or text is a way to be able to get a kid to open up with you, that's I get, certainly better than nothing. I get some of the most pieces of information from my son via text. I mean, it, it, we always follow up with a, with a conversation, yeah. but I'll get a text that doesn't fit on the screen with just a bunch of information. I'm like, thank God he's telling me. This that's is awesome. really great. Yeah, that's a good point. That's I was going to say, it's probably not preferable, but if that's what your kid's comfortable with and that's the only way you're going to get it, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And it's a great place to start because then at least it gets it out there, right? And you know and what they're thinking. You know what they're worrying about. And then you can call or follow up and say, hey, yeah. I've written that text again and you said something in there. So I don't know. I think as, as technology changes, as the way we communicate changes, I think we're going to see... And I, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but we may be seeing less of this nuclear family conversation around the dinner table or in the car and more of this kind of on-the-fly type of back and forth. I'm not, and I don't know if it's good or bad, but maybe some conversation is better than no conversation. I think to go back to something else you said, you know, when they are talking to you about these important things – You've got to listen with your whole body, right? You've got to put your phone away, turn it off, focus. You can't be focused on something else. You've got to really devote and let and show them. I mean, I'm not a great listener, but I know there's things called active listening. And if there's ever a time to do it, that's it. And then the other thing is, if there is something in the conversation that you need to discipline or correct or reprimand them about, empathize with them connect with them, you can do the correction stuff later, right? You don't want to immediately be like, oh, you did that wrong, or oh, that's not what you should do. I think that, again, that's where you're going to lose them the next time they're not going to come through. I think I think Anne-Marie in one of our episodes, something like that before, was like calm, connect, correct. Just really make sure that you're connecting with them first, and then if you have to, to correct them, make sure you do it later. And speaking of connecting, Amy made a good point in really paying attention to kind of how each of our kids, at in our particular case, they've got different love languages to help sort of share when there's sort of a need. And with Lexi, for instance, it's, do you want to go have lunch today? So she'll come home from school and she'll want to have lunch. She'll email me and say, hey, do you want to go have lunch? Which is really her way of saying, I need some dad time, you know, and so I try to make the most effort, the best effort I can to be able to be available for that. And if you're struggling talking to your kids, you know, ask them open-ended questions. That's going to get them talking more than just the, like, what did you have for lunch today? Yeah. Was school good today? Yeah. Um, so this article I looked at had some good uh, examples, sort of like, what are you really looking forward to this week? Huh. Or, you know, what do you think your grandma is doing right now? Or something like what do you think would be the worst superpower you could have? Those sorts of things. If you're struggling, like that might start a conversation. If you ask a question that just has a concrete answer, they're going to answer it. And if they're, especially a, a teenager, sometimes they're not going to want to talk much. And so if you're giving them an option to just give you a one word answer, you're not going to accomplish very much. Well, good. Well, hopefully that was helpful. Again, there's some links in the show notes, um, but hopefully you guys can set aside some time to just talk with your kids and develop that rapport that's going to allow them to, to come to you when they need you down the road. All right. This week on Whatcom Dads Recommend, it is summertime. School is out. 
Let's talk about our favorite summer festivals, events, annual things that happen here in Whatcom County. Man. Now, some of these might still be on pause, or we still might not know if they're going to go through this year, but I asked each of us to come up with two things that we really like that comes around in the summertime here in Whatcom County. So, Chris, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, we've always loved Ski to Sea Weekend. I've always been on a team myself, and of course, I've loved having my kids really help me get ready for that and cheer me on and see me at the handoff and things like that. But really the, the, um, blossom time parade, which many call the ski to sea parade, uh, now called the Memorial day parade is always one of our favorite things to do. We love going to the parade and seeing the, the, the different tractors and floats and horses and all those things go by. So we, we love all of the activities that have to do with the ski to sea weekend. Sort of a good kickoff to summer. It really is. Yeah. So representing the North County, uh, we enjoy the uh, Blaine Fourth of July oh, yeah. celebration. Big parade, huge car show. If you're into car shows, like that is the one to go to. There's a ton of food, crafts, games for the kids. There's a lot going on. It's packed, and uh, it's a good way to spend the Fourth of July morning and early afternoon. Right on. You took me one year, and now I take my family. So you've made a believer out of me. Uh, one that I really like, I think is in September, but I think we'll still call it summer. And it's the uh, Greek Fest at the local St. Sophia Greek oh, Orthodox yeah. Church. Not only can you get some killer Greek food, but there's uh, often music and dancing and some games, like a bounce house and things for the kids. Um, I'll admit that I think it usually runs like a Friday through Monday. It's not unheard of for me to go twice during the uh, <laughs> yeah. during the weekend you know usually like friday night get takeout from there and take it home and then yep. sunday go in the afternoon and uh, i i tried to check today online to see if they're going to have it again this year it didn't look like they were completely finalized with their details but uh you know check your local listings for the the greek fest here in bellingham it's a good summer activity yeah right on you know this isn't one specific only one event but we go to the farmer's market usually in the summertime. We don't really go in the spring does, um, or even in the winter. I know it kind of runs year round now, but we love going to the farmer's market and uh, starting in June throughout the summer. So, um, so many great vendors, so many great restaurants. Uh, we tons of really good produce from our local farmers uh, who do really amazing things. Whatcom County does a good job of movies outside in the summer. I know they do it down at Fairhaven in the Village Green. They do it up in Ferndale at one of the local parks. And I, it's pretty easy to find an outdoor movie on a nice summer evening. Problem is, they don't start till like 9.30. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a late night if you have little kids. Yep. But it's a, it's a fun way to spend a, an evening with your family. Absolutely. And sort of a more athletic one that I've participated in a couple times is the Lake Padden Triathlon. I think it's traditionally been in June. I looked, and this year it's going to happen in August, and maybe they have restricted registration due to COVID still. But even if you're not competing, uh, it's at Lake Padden. Uh, there's usually two divisions, a more recreational one that I was clearly in, and then a more competitive <laughs> one. But just to go and cheer on people who are you know, biking, swimming, and running, and just a good sort of community atmosphere at the Lake Padden Triathlon. And so because, Nathan, I can never follow the rules and always have to have an extra one. I was going to pull a Mark Bagley. Are, were you? Yeah, but you go ahead. Okay, please. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this is actually still going on, and I could not find information on the website, but summer evenings at Hovander Park in Ferndale, at the house, the bats that live 
in the attic come out at night to feed. And in the past, they've had a guided um, walk, and you can actually go and listen and watch the bats leave the rafters of this old house to go on their nightly feed. And when our kids did it, it was fascinating. And again, I, I couldn't find information on it um, today when I looked, but if it's still around, it's a really cool, unique activity. The one I was going to add, I'm just going to pull a Mark Bagley on, also, uh, speaking of parks, is the Elizabeth Park uh, Thursday night music. Yes. Music hmm. Park. Uh Great park, great community neighborhood park, and uh, there's always good music. Mallard's usually has like an ice cream truck there. There's usually a food truck. Um, so it's a it's a great family event. Yeah, and it's the sort of thing where people are up dancing and people are bringing their um, picnics and maybe smuggling in some things in their picnic <laughs> basket. But and they got a playground, so little ones can play in the playground. It's 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 a great it's a great park. Well, plenty to do. Things are opening back up. Check out some links for those items that we mentioned and get out there this summer and enjoy our beautiful Whatcom County. (laughs) So have you guys ever had an instance where you think that your kid, and maybe your kids are older now, but where they said something and you did not believe them and you knew that it couldn't possibly be true what they were telling you. And then all of a sudden you realize, Oh yeah, they were telling you the truth. We have Friday night movie nights, some Fridays, and this past Friday we chose Herbie the Love Bug, Fully Loaded, the uh, early 2000 remake of the Herbie movies. (laughs) You know, it's a great movie for probably kids ages six-ish, so maybe a couple of mine were a little young, but it's G-rated, it's a Disney movie, there's not many of those. So anyway, we watched Herbie, kids had a great time, the very next day... We are driving home from the Northwest Soccer Fields, uh, my daughter's last soccer game. And my daughter says, hey, Dad, there's Herbie the Love Bug. And we kept driving. We're going pretty fast. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, it was parked over there. And I'm thinking, what What are the odds of that really being true? No, Dad, it was. And the other two kids didn't see it. So they said, yeah, Dad, let's go back and see. I said, no, we've got to go pick up lunch. No, you know. I'm sure it was just another Volkswagen bug. No, Dad, it really was Herbie. Herbie was there. No, no, no. So we go pick up lunch. And finally, I'm like, you know what? Just to prove it to them, we'll go back (laughs) by that place on the way home from getting the lunch just to prove to them. And they were like, Dad, Herbie's going to have left. You better go faster. And sure enough, we turn around. We drive back by. And I kid you not. No way. There it is. There it is. Number 53 with the blue and right blue and red stripes on it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is parked in a parking lot. So we pull up, the kids are like, "Oh my gosh, there's Herbie." So, number 1, what are the chances that in their entire lifetime on Friday I chose to show them that movie and on Saturday they spot this car? And two, what a jerk I feel like thinking that there's no conceivable way that Herbie the Love Bug car is in Bellingham uh-huh. that very next day. So, trust your kids, I guess. I don't know. Am I a bad dad for just assuming that my daughter was making something up or saw something that she didn't really see? Yeah, because you're thinking probably just another white Volkswagen. Sure. I was right. yeah. so confident. Like, see, it's just a white bug. It doesn't have the racing stripe. It doesn't have the number. Well, because I think a lot of the times they are 
they are they are incorrect, right? You know, they think they know something, and maybe they've just yeah. You can't think you're a something. bad dad because if you if you believe everything your kids tell you, you'll be spending a lot of time spinning your wheels. You'd be, I mean, but what? Kudos to you for actually turning around to just sort of look at it, right? So even though internally you're having this conversation in your head, being you know thinking. I can't believe I'm turning around to go look at a white Volkswagen that she obviously is mistaking as Herbie. Well, I did it to prove her wrong, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and who who turned out on the short end of that stick? Have so you, yeah, have I mean, you met your daughter though? She's pretty sharp. She is a smart one, I guess. But man, what a coincidence! And kudos to her. So I think until she uh, does me wrong, I'm yeah. gonna keep <laughs> believing her. Well, something uh, similar in a way happened this last week as well, Alyssa came home from school. Uh, I picked her up. We were at home for a few hours and she turns to me after I, I had seen her for a few hours and she said, oh, dad, um, guess what? And I said, what? And she said, um, I was elected seventh grade class president. Just like out of the blue? Out of the blue. She had told us. She buried the lead. So, yeah. well, yeah. So she had told us that she wanted to apply to be able to run. And, you know, I... I thought that was really cool, but quite frankly, I, I mean, she was running against the person who was the president this year. It's been a COVID year. How many people has she had a chance to really actually get to know? And I thought it was super cool for even putting herself out there to do it. And so I honestly thought she was like, she was making a mistake, you know, that some something was up. I said, <laughs> recount, how, recount. Right. Well, so I'm, instead of trying to prove her wrong necessarily. I was very kindly trying to find her to show me proof that that was actually true. Are you sure you won? Uh-huh. So I said, how did you learn? How did you know? There was an email that went out. One of my friends said, you should see this email. And so I said, well, let me see this email. This is amazing. I want to see the email, which really was my <laughs> really way of being, let me see if you were, is this accurate? Are you confusing this with golf? Yeah, right. The lowest score does not win. <laughs> And son of a gun, she opens the email, and in this email is the list of next year's ASB officers, and, and under seventh grade, there she is. Let's tell Lisa Roselli, president of Colshan's seventh grade ASB. Were you ASB president of your high school? I was. Uh, yeah, she is yeah. following in the Roselli <laughs> footsteps. She Look is. at that. Well, kudos to her for putting herself out there and for... Uh, campaigning i guess yeah i mean yeah i don't know how you campaign in this kind of way i mean she well here's the funny story is is she originally thought that she was running for president of her homeroom so like her class <laughs> like just her little yeah. homeroom class and i said no no sweetie this is like all seventh grade and you know i said it's all homerooms right all the seventh graders in the whole school oh i said well do you want to still run because i i mean i no parent wants to see their kid not succeed right right and but also it's an important lesson too and and uh she said sure of course i'll i sure i'll run i'll do that and so anyway she did and so it of course turned into a super proud parent moment so that was the same day that we also went to the bells game first bells game of the year and watched our oldest daughter right working her first job so i turned to amy and it was just a like proud moment standing there just thinking wow amy like look at this what has happened today you know? there'll be many more chris you got two amazing young women wow. there well wow. thank you thank you well congrats to you we'll we'll check in later as to how her uh her political career is running exactly <laughs> she's got a whole summer to figure it out <laughs> thanks for listening and as always thanks to our sponsor robinson and cole attorneys 
There's a link to their website in our show notes. You can reach the show through our Facebook page or our email address, which is whatcomdadspodcast at gmail.com. We welcome feedback and suggestions. And remember to rate and subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast app. New episodes are released on Friday mornings. See you next week. Why are pirates pirates? Why? Because they just are. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ben. Ben who? Been waiting all year for the end of school. What do you call a dog magician? What do you call a dog magician? A labracadabrador. A labracadabrador. A labracadabrador.